please join me in welcoming our new sponsor to Muller She Wrote, JennyKane.com. Create the space you'll never want to leave and get 15% off your first order. Go to J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com and use my code MSW at checkout. Hey all, this is Glenn Kirshner and you're listening to Muller She Wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., We have a pretty epic show for you today. Of course, at the end of this show, we are going to run volume two of our series that came out in 2019 on the Mueller Report volume one. So you can get a little more background on the, you know, the totality of Russian interference in the 2016 election. But before we do that, we do have a couple of stories. And joining me to discuss this first very important story that got very little MSM coverage is Grant Stern, independent journalist and awesome person. What's up, Grant? Hey, how's it going, AG? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, good. I, and I'm so glad that you're here because you had a broke, you scooped this story a long time ago. And uh, what I'm looking at here is an indictment from the Southern District of New York against Elena Branson, a.k.a. Elena Chernick. And basically, she's being charged with 18 violations of 18 U.S. Code 371, right? That's Uh, correct. Conspiracy to defraud the United States. 951, which we call espionage light. 1001, we all know what that is. 1546. And then 22 U.S. Code sections 612 and 618. So you've been reporting on Elena for quite some time Tell us a little bit about the background of who this person is, where she's been living. We know she gave 59 bucks to Tulsi Gabbard. (laughs) Everybody's freaking out about. Proof. She's a Russian Uh, asset. No, Yeah. Like that's the one thing. Yeah. No, it's probably uh, all the other things. But uh, in any case, tell us about um, your reporting on, on this particular Russian spy. So my reporting has to do with KSORs. Uh, the coordinating compatriots of Russia Council or Council of Com- whatever. I mean, KSORS is their their nickname and acronym. And they're basically a Russian diaspora group that's meant to draw in ethnic Russians, people born in America who have Russian descent, who want to find out more about their Russian heritage. It's like a heritage group, a social group. And they blatantly violated Farah at least according to their own statements to the Commerçant newspaper over in Moscow, which was the source for the report that I wrote in 2018. It's a report that I co-authored with Patrick Simpson called Grand Old Putin Party. It's a 20, uh, I'm sorry, 50,000 word, 15 part installment that took us about a year and a half to write and investigate. And that's actually the 
the story, it's the last part of the last story because we write putting all the most juicy, interesting things up front. Like the lead story in this installment was entitled uh, Republicans Set Up Putin's Lobbying Operation. And so we discovered KSORS and we just wanted to include it because the woman that ran KSORS uh, also ran this group called the Russian Center for New York, and that's Elena Branson. And she hosted the World Russia Forum for Dr. Edward Lozansky, the man who was the feature of our investigative series, who actually wrote a book on Russian ethnic lobbying in the United States, which was published by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Russia. It was published by their publishing imprint. So we just looked at KSORs. We were like, well, we have this blatant, blatant example of FARA violation, right? And we were looking through the FARA logs and we found that this guy Lozansky was tied up with a major uh, Russian propaganda initiative called the Institute for Democracy and Cooperation. Oh, that's a stupid name. <laughs> 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 well, even better, they went on RT to explain that these Russian professors were going to lecture the world on democracy. <laughs> okay, cool. You know, I mean, at least Rudy Giuliani and, and Parnas and Fruman got it right when they called their joint fraud guarantee. Um, <laughs> That's true. It was this guaranteed. Seems more but... like, this seems more like essential consulting, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> set up by Michael Cohen, which was in no way essential to anyone. <laughs> oh, no, this this is major spin right here. This is major mm -hmm. spin. OK, um, we're talking about people who are involved with the public relations groups that do the foreign propaganda and some of them register. Right. So that was how we kind of, you know, we grouped this together as just foreign influence. Right. Just a story on foreign influence and the, the output. Like what happened after he wrote this book? What What, what did he do? And. The amazing thing is that we went to a former National Security Council member, Joe Biden's former National Security Advisor, when he was in the, the as the vice president. Uh, and now he's the U.S. ambassador to the OSCE, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, named Michael R. Carpenter. Um, you know, we went to him as a source, as an expert source, and brought this KSOR's story to him. And we were just like, we just want to show like one example, right? And we did that and then we finished – we closed the book. We finished writing this long 25,000-word installment. And um, and by the way, in, in part three, we explained that Lozansky was the guy who introduced Alexander Torshin to all the Republicans, you know, the, Putin's emissary to the NRA. Uh, for some reason, the mainstream media just wants to ignore that. It's literally on the Russian Federation Council's website. So we finished this long story and then we did a top-to-bottom fact check and, and copy edit. And when we came back a month later, after having gotten comment from Dr. Carpenter, right, KSource posted a picture on Facebook. Here's our new board. And look, Dr. Lazansky's on it. Mm, interesting. This is real political science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Pete Strzok shared this on Twitter, too. Elena Branson, over 10 years, subverted foreign agent registration laws in the United States to promote Russian policies. She also allegedly helped obtain fraudulent visas for Russians That's right. and lied to the FBI before fleeing to Russia in 2020. And the Southern District of New York complaint uh, says that, lays that out. And once in Russia, she was interviewed by Maria Butina. And we all know that special honeypot. Uh, and as we know, it turns out Butina was a Russian agent. She pled guilty and went to jail. Uh, and of, of course, 
we've got all sorts of Republicans in Congress here backing up these people. But more recently, Butina published a video showing how to draw a white Z on one's lapel to show solidarity with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So now it's back to where we are in in the present. And sure. now a couple of questions for you. Uh, it says here in the indictment that in March or April of 2016, at the direction of an official of the government of Moscow, Branson attempted to set up meetings for a Moscow government official with, among others, politicians and business persons in the United States. I was wondering if we know who those politicians and business persons are yet, or do we not know? Mm, I don't think we have a bead on who those particular persons are, although uh, there is a list of the people from 2015, uh, which were at the, the World Russia Forum that Branson's Russia Center New York hosted. So that's actually Dr. Lozansky's annual event. And they suddenly became the the sponsoring host of it, like the, you know, like when a nonprofit sponsors a, a conference or something. And, you know, it, for all I know, and I, I can't speak to it, but for all I know that they basically use the nonprofit status of Russia Center or if they had nonprofit, uh, but they use that group to get the money in and to pay for this. Um, well, this is like how Maria Butina used the NRA to yeah. get and meet with people and have the Mayflower meeting and all that other stuff. I mean, it's but it's you know not 951, which is what this is. Well, you know, Mar Maria Butina created a front group in Russia, right? And she used that you know right to bear arms group in Russia yeah. to infiltrate uh, the NRA, which by the way is absurd. Um, I read the stories and reported on this. I did a, a three part series on torsion, as well. And uh, it's like public opinion is like a thousand percent against gun rights in Russia, like regular people gun rights. Putin doesn't want it. The people don't want it. They're like, if you gave out guns to everybody, they would all go shoot each other. But he was given the mission of pursuing that policy probably just to launch Putina's career. Yeah. And that's what you do in the United States to sow discord as you get into our political, mm -hmm. you know, hit points, third rails and, and drive wedges between people. Um, now, why on earth did the Southern District of New York wait until now? Do you think there was some sort of well, like why, 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 why wasn't this person indicted under the Bar Trump administration, or is it just that this investigation has taken this long? Well, we only found out about the investigation last what October, and then November they shut down after one of their key people passed away, and. Why now? I, I think that it's obvious that, you know, they just saw that there was a strategic benefit to making sure that this person's not coming back to the country. You know, the whole point of counterintelligence, at least how, how I understand the FBI practices it, is to get a result. So they're not always looking for a conviction. They're looking for a result. And in this case, they're trying to say, look, you know, watch out for this diaspora group and for the people that were leading it. You know, not necessarily the people that are participating, but the people who are leading it. And so it acts as a deterrent. I mean, essentially, this person uh, doesn't have to be sanctioned. She's not going to come back. I mean, you know, who would go back to to face justice on this kind of thing? I mean, it's just a elaborate way of, of expelling a spy. Right. It's like why we dropped the whole it's like why we dropped the whole case against Concord management. For well, first of all, they were using our court system to and abusing discovery to try to get you know, information going back to 1942 about oh, <laughs> operations sure, and yeah. stuff like that. But um, October, that's interesting because that is when the new U.S. attorney, 
appointed by Biden got to the Southern District of New York. So that I think that's an interesting tidbit. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would just say that now that there's an active shooting war with Russia on the other side, we could expect to see more of this where they're going and exposing the propaganda networks. I think that's really what this is about. It's about naming and shaming as much as it is about, you know, I mean, if one day she comes back, well, she's going to be in a lot of trouble. But um, they don't, I don't think they expect her to come back after this. Yeah. And also, I mean, there was a, a we do know for a fact there was a an effort by the Bill Barr Department of Justice to subvert and mislead Americans on the scope and depth of Russian interference in, in 2016 and 2018. So, oh, we all saw that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we all we, saw and, that. And, and, you know, we knew that from when, when the, when we, the court decided that, that a lot of what was redacted in the Mueller report volume one was redacted inappropriately and they had to remove some of those redaction bars. Uh, so, you know, well, we know everything that has happened over the last three weeks has pretty much validated what so many of us began writing about in 2015, 16, and 17. And so, you know, it's not the way that anybody wants to gain vindication. Although when uh, indictments are actually, I, I don't mind those. But, no, um, yeah. you know, everybody sees now that this is not just a threat anymore. No, right. And th that it's real. And that, you know, not just that collusion happened, but that propaganda is... the the. <sighs> You know, it's like necessary said, to get people to to perform acts. You know, I, I think the saying is, uh, you know, first you have to make them uh, believe in anything before they'll do anything. I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. terribly here. Yeah, but <laughs> I know what you mean. But it's like, you know, the the thing that makes people most likely to believe a conspiracy theory is having believed one conspiracy theory, right? Yeah, yeah. and and so this propaganda is an essential part of the, the Russian uh, arsenal. Hearts and minds is a phrase that we use here. And starting in 2014 with Cambridge Analytica through, let's say, the end of 2017, America was subjected to a psychological warfare program very systematically. And psychological warfare is just all about propaganda. And here we are. Yeah. Propaganda, reflexive control, active measures. And again, stuff that you and I have been reporting on for four or five you six, seven years. <laughs> so um, another story I wanted to ask you about, um, because this just popped up, and this this is related to, to the Mueller investigation. Lev Parnas um, will plead guilty to conspiracy related to his work with fraud guarantee with his colleagues, including Trump and Giuliani. Uh, Parnas on Thursday, just a few days ago, asked to change his plea from not guilty to guilty. Uh, as we know, he was convicted of campaign finance charges in October after paying for the favor of 2018 midterm election candidates with money that was linked to a um, businessman from Russia named Andrei Moraviev. Now, Parnas and David Korea were accused of leading people to invest over $2 million in fraud guarantee and using some of that money for personal and political purposes. Now, I set, set me straight here because right now, the Southern District of New York, who just put out this indictment, uh, against Branson, is currently investigating Rudy Giuliani for his shit that he did in Ukraine with Parnas and Fruman. And the what Parnas was initially indicted and convicted on it has nothing to do with that. It was separate, right? But now, in this particular thing, he's pleading guilty. But does is this about what he did with Rudy in in you know with Furtosh over in Vienna and shit like that? 
So it kind of is. It kind of isn't. It's pretty indirect. I mean, these are, are charges of being a bad businessman. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Um, you know, if you use corporate money for your own purposes, uh, you know, you're you're taking the money away from your investors. I mean, this is the kind of charge that uh, it's just bad bookkeeping and the use of funds. I mean, if he had just given himself a dividend, I don't think he faces these charges, to be quite honest. But because he used the money uh, for his personal reasons without uh, first putting it in his personal name, that's where this kind of uh, charge comes from. <clears throat> Is it directly related to what he did with Rudy? You know, I mean, the money. Yeah, he gave money to Rudy Giuliani. So that's definitely related. But it's it's not like, a, you know, it's not like a punishment for the crime, if you say. And, you know, he's uh, he's been very penitent about, uh, penitent about the whole thing, uh, very open about it, shared a lot of information. And I'm sure we're going to actually see a lot more information about it because – you know, there's a lot of laws that stop somebody from profiting from a crime that they've committed. But the crime of being involved in this political intrigue is not the crime, you know, he's been charged with. It's not a crime that we know of. And so I think that that we're going to see a second act from Lev Parnas. You know, the the other people in that uh, those two cases have each gotten about a year for each of the charges. And. Most likely, uh, he'll probably be asking the judge to give him a year concurrently in each case. So I would just say that expect to see a book coming from Lev about all of this. I'm just guessing here. I haven't talked to him in a little while, but uh, I'm guessing it'll be called Lev Remembers. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> and the subtitle will be, and has the receipts. Because the, the man does have the receipts. He's shown me things. I mean... He made some big mistakes getting head over heels with Trump, and he'd be the first one to tell you that. But they wouldn't have charged him with uh, the crimes involving the company were it not for the ironic name and also the fact that he was charged with the other uh, stuff. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm also wondering if he's going to or is already helping Southern District of New York in their investigation of Rudy. And we know Rudy was raided last April. So if anyone's wondering where that investigation is, uh, and, and they took a whole shitload of stuff out of, out of Rudy's home and office in April, 16 or 18 devices, computers, thousands and thousands of pages of documents. And, uh, and then, so the, the court appointed Barbara Jones, retired judge, uh, to be the special master, to go through all of it, to make sure that that what was being handed over to the government wasn't covered by attorney-client or work-product privilege or any of these other privileges. Uh, she is the same special master that was appointed to Michael Cohen's case, and she put out a report just this past December, for three or four months ago, saying, we're just about done, we're handing everything over, so now the government has the full case in the Southern District of New York. So we're still looking at a couple of more months for them to pour through all of this uh, information that she handed over. So that's where we're at with that. But I'm, I'm very interested to know if Parnas is helping in that investigation because he is very penitent and he was involved in a lot of that, especially the stuff with Marie Yovanovitch. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, again, this is an extremely tight-lipped Department of Justice, and we don't see indictments coming like we did in the Mueller investigation. Well, you know, I'll say this. You know, somebody doesn't have to technically have an agreement to cooperate. They can cooperate if they want to. Uh, Michael Cohen did that. Case in point. You just you beat me to the punch. Michael Cohen did that. 
And, you know, I, I don't know if he's cooperated or not, but he's made a lot of public statements. They're out there. Prosecutors have them on record. I wouldn't be surprised if there have been some sort of discussions, but I, I don't think that he's necessarily cutting a deal. Um, you know, when somebody cuts a deal, it oftentimes undercuts the value of their testimony, especially if they've been convicted in, of crimes themselves. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And, and his lawyer, Bondi, did say, you know, a while ago, hey, Rudy should be scared. I think um, that I thought that was an interesting comment, but also to try and understand who, who Joseph Bondi and sort of hit the way that he hit his uh, his front of the courthouse, courthouse theatrics are, are, are pretty good. Oh, yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, and I've spoken to Bondi. He's, he's a cool dude. Yeah. Bondi is he's a cool interesting, dude. And, and interesting fella. You know, I'll say this. And this was in in the interview. Uh, that that we posted we put onto the Dworkin report uh, earlier this year, which is that you know the the main artery for all of this was Andrei Romenko, like he was the vector, he was the guy, the former Ukrainian, former Ukrainian lawmaker and former Ukrainian, uh, who changed his name to Andy Kuchma. Nothing shady there, right? And uh, Kuchma, uh, you know, he he was really the key vector, and Lev told the story of how he warned Rudy not to get involved with this guy. And then Rudy one day called him and said, you know, uh, I'm going to work with him anyway. So I think that there's a lot of fertile territory right there. Yeah, that, and he worked with Dokoch, and he, Durkoch, and he worked with uh, well, Furtosh. And, right, I mean, but, it's... but it, was, uh, it was, you know, Kuchma, mm -hmm. AK, who was the, the conduit. Artemenko, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Well, that's, that's according to Lev. And, you know, we're talking about somebody who does have a lot of receipts. <laughs> Good. Because that's what we need. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's AG. And you know that I know that decorating your home isn't always easy. I've been renovating. I've been spending, gosh, it's been months. But this year, I am trusting the expertise of Jenny Kane Home to curate the space of my dreams with their incredible interior essentials. Jenny Kane Home has everything you need from timeless furniture to elevated accents, and there's something for every room, style, and sensibility. JennyKane.com is sponsoring Muller She Wrote, and they're offering you 15% off your first order when you use code MSW at checkout. I love the Jenny Kane home aesthetic. The style is effortlessly Californian, and they have the perfect pieces to make every room look great. Whether it's a candle, a throw, or a sofa, I got right now, I got the alpaca throw. It's absolutely my favorite. The pod pet, Bruce Willis, has kind of made it his own, <laughs> but I get to use it every now and then. It's my new whoopee, and I'm in love with it. It's beautiful, it's soft, it's so soft, and it's just a great accent piece. The Jenny Kane home creates California-inspired classics for any room or mood. They're grounded in natural textures and inviting neutrals. And these are pieces you'll love coming home to. So create the space you'll never want to leave at JennyKane.com. Get 15% off your first order when you use code MSW at checkout. That's 15% off your first order when you go to JennyKane.com. J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com and promo code MSW. Uh, all right. Um, now, if you wouldn't mind sticking around, uh, I would like to uh, now jump into the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! All right, so if you had a rando Russian 
And I, I don't know if Branson's technically rando, uh, but to go ahead and give yourself five points, she was indicted on 951. So if you uh, called that, congratulations. I did not have a rando Russian on my team this week, but I am now going to draft some more Russians. So I'm just going to put some rando Russians on here. I also uh, am going to keep my quarterback, uh, who's Matt Gates, and... Um, <laughs> I also in from the uh, from the Tallahassee High School crew down there, Sabatini, and Engels, and someone named L. A. Key who had a weird no work contract with Joel Greenberg, who's still cooperating and whose sentencing is coming up on March 29th. I wonder if they're going to delay it again. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm going to put so that's one, two three four five and then i'm going to i don't know what's going on with the manhattan da these days so i'm i i will i will put trump org superseding uh from the manhattan district attorney's office i'd also like to keep Sidney powell up because she's been under investigation for her you know her super her packs defending the republic uh and the other one along you know uh, she's been under criminal federal investigation since september in the dc us attorney's office there so what do i got like three left let's do rudy de geneva and tonzig those are my picks what do you think do you think there's anybody who who you would pick grant to 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 be indicted this week Oh man, uh, De Genova and Townsing are, are great choices. Uh, just excellent Thanks. choices. You know, most people don't realize that they Those were working. Stringers. They were working for the Kurdish Democratic Party at the time that they auditioned to be Trump's lawyers for the Mueller report, and he had said he hired them, but then he said, "Oh no, I'm not going to hire them. They have a conflict." Yeah, they were registered foreign agents of a foreign political party reporting on the executive branch. So they're a great choice. Can I take them too? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, Sydney Powell, I mean, my goodness, I wrote reported in December that she got in trouble in a second state investigation and didn't tell the first state, which is a violation, felony violation. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and the the Texas bar, everyone just recommended that she be punished because uh, remember in Michigan, all of the Kraken attorneys, Judge Parker said, "You guys are." assholes you guys use the courts to spread propaganda you didn't you don't know how to plead your filings were bullshit your affidavits were bullshit you didn't take one step to check to see if any of it was true that's bad ethical that violates rule 11 etc and so she sanctioned them made them take classes <laughs> on election law and pleading yeah. uh, cle's and also find them quite a bit of money, six figures uh, to split between them. However, they decide that'd be a fun meeting to watch. Uh, and <laughs> like they draw on lots or whatever. And uh, spinning Plinko, maybe they played Plinko to find out who's going to pay what. Um, but uh, she referred them all to their respective state bar associations for either, you know, for punishment, disbarment or suspension of their law licenses. Of course, Rudy has already been suspended in D.C. and New York, so he doesn't have a license right now, can't practice law. But he's also being considered for disbarment. Uh, but the the Texas State Bar finally got around to saying, yeah, 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 she violated five rules, you know, and then, uh, you know, of the Texas Bar Association and then also Rule 11 of federal criminal procedure. Uh, so we recommend she be punished. And so the wow. judge will decide whether she's going to be disbarred or suspended or, or nothing. Uh, but uh, for, for the Texas Bar Association to say you fucked up and and file this lawsuit <laughs> yeah. for sanctions is it's gotta pretty, be bad. pretty monster. 
Yeah. I'm surprised mm-hmm. that they're not disciplining her for making false statements in two different states to raise charitable funds. That seems well, like there, one of she those. Is, she is being investigated for it. Her pack is being investigated as well as Flynn and Flynn's brother, who were made directors of her pack. And of course, Lynn Wood is is caught up in that. And we, you know, we learned about that. That's the only Department of Justice investigation into shit that's surrounding one six that we know about. And the only reason we know about it is because one of the people who testified to the grand jury told a reporter. Uh, so that's that's where we're at with that. So that's why Powell is on my. Oh, on she's my a great team. choice. She's my top choice. I got to tell you. She's your quarterback. Yeah, she's my quarterback for sure. Cool. Yeah, but could be Gates could be a, a while still. I mean, they, they they haven't indicted him, and they have said, "Look, this Greenberg proffer after he agreed to cooperate has taken us to unknown, uncharted territory." And they seem like kind of blown away. And we do have two prosecutors on loan from the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office down in the middle of dis- middle district of Florida. One of them is a, a a child sex exploitation expert, and the other one is a public corruptions expert. Uh, working on this case and so i they're working hard and uh, i trust them to make um, a charging decision i just have no idea when well that's that's a monster case because and this was not something that anybody expected but someone took uh, a lobbyist took a whole data dump and gave it to the orlando sentinel about florida power and light which is the the public utility in florida their subsidiary of next era energy the big public company and they were deeply involved in a fake candidates scandal, mm-hmm. right, where they'd run these fake candidates, people who didn't live in the district, uh, change their registration just to run. And then uh, and they then were Rodriguez backed up by dark guilty. money. Well, yeah. yeah. And then. Yeah. yeah one, guilty, yes. Yeah. The, one of them pled guilty. But Matt Gates's PAC donated to one of the groups involved in that scam. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Republicans are involved in that. So. This is my guess. My personal guess is that they must have come somehow into the realm of the the dark money verse in Florida. And I'm telling you right now, the dark money verse in Florida is much darker than anybody really understands. You know, and the expanse has to be huge and uh, untangling that. Not that necessarily charges would come out of that, but untangling it to see whether or not there were any laws broken is going to take quite a while. (laughs) It certainly could. I mean. Uh, just as an example, I found a, a Republican county commission candidate getting money from the Republican dark money verse, right? And it's like everything is headquartered at a USPS, uh, you know, like uh, location. Like, I'm sorry, a UPS store location, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I put it all together and I just, I, you know, went through all the registrations and who are these people and what are they doing? And I put it together and I traced it to Republican Senate leadership and I called the candidate. And she said, oh, you mean the money from Tallahassee? I was like, yes, exactly. The Repub- the state Republican money. She goes, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. That's off the record. It's it's off the record, right? I'm like, I already knew it was coming from Tallahassee, but thanks for confirming. <laughs> <laughs> was that a U.S. senator? That was a county commission race down here in Miami-Dade. Okay, county but commission. the senator who said oh, off no, the no, record? No, no, no. This was the, count- the, com- the candidate herself. Oh, 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 gotcha. gotcha and you know gotcha. what? The dark money helped her win that race. It was a 50-50 district, and it helped put her over the edge. She got a lot of cash from these folks. 
Yeah, there are a lot of Florida state legislatures and people in power and Republican uh, Florida politics that got there by these dirty means. And we, you know, we've discussed this on on the show quite a bit, quite extensively. Grant, running a sham candidate, running a straw man candidate, is not illegal in Florida. However, donating money to them above, you know, campaign finance violations are still illegal. Yeah. So it's again, like I said, with at, with that huge dark money universe in Florida, just untangling it is going to take quite a while. Now, I do think that there are kind of two separate investigations here, one into Matt Gates by these D.C. U.S. attorneys on loan. And then the Middle District of Florida local folks are handling all this money and election stuff because they know the Middle District of Florida better than than anyone else. So it could take it could go in two different directions we'll see but right now they're super tight-lipped we don't know anything and it's been quite a while yeah yeah it has i mean look to me the fact that they called in somebody from dc screams to me that they're looking at something much bigger and the 800 pound gorilla in florida politics is fpl okay i mean really it's like a four-legged stool fpl big sugar disney the nra okay and desantis is sitting on it sitting on that stool and now we need to do one of those like charlie works episodes of always sunny in philadelphia where we do the stool trick the bar stool trick uh, so that when you sit down on it it totally collapses yeah we'll try that yeah and if you haven't seen the charlie work episode of always sunny in philadelphia it is it's pretty stressful (laughs) so if you're high stress maybe don't watch it but it's a single shot the entire episode, and it's one of the funniest, most brilliant pieces of television I've ever seen. Anyway, that's an aside. But uh, this has been super fun. Grant, tell everyone where they can find you and your reporting so that they can follow it, because we are going to see, like you said, especially now with what's going on in Europe with Putin and the crackdown here at home on corrupt and Russian and foreign influence and money and Farah. I mean, we have a whole new Farah unit stood up that came out of the Mueller investigation. That's right. Uh, and we're going to need to to have our our finger on the pulse of this reporting. So where can they where can they follow you? So you can go to grantstern.com, and that's where you can find my books, the newsletter, uh, all the active columns, and even all the old columns. I am the executive editor of OccupyDemocrats.com and WashingtonPress.com. Uh, just took over over as the editor-in-chief there as well. And of course, I'm running the the Dworkin Report. I'm the producer over there. And Boy, I mean, grandstern.com actually has links to all of that, so go check it out. You, so you do Occupy Democrats. I've been memed a few times by them. I got to say, I love it. Oh, I'm glad you like it. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, a fun crew. And, you know, I'm still a senior advisor to Democratic Coalition. So I'm always there with my finger on the pulse trying to find out what's going on. We appreciate you. Thanks so much. Everybody, as soon as I'm done signing off here, we're going to play episode two of the 20-part series. We're only doing the volume one because we already know what's in the obstruction. And, uh, but we you know, want to remind everybody just the depth and breadth of Russian interference in the 2016 election because it's really, really relevant. And there's a lot of ties uh, between what's going on now and what was going on then. It's still, a, a, I think, a continuation of the same scheme, and, uh, which is to you know, basically kill NATO destroy the West, destroy Western democracies, and install dictators around the world. Uh, anyway, that's that's the show. And uh, please, uh, you know, you can follow me at Mueller She Wrote on Twitter. You can also get these shows ad-free if you want, along with the Daily Beans. It's all, it's like an all-in-one thing. You get Daily Beans, you get the book club, everything ad-free at, at patreon.com slash Mueller She Wrote. Everybody, until 
tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow with Dana for The Daily Beans. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. And vote blue over Q. I've been A.G., and this is Mueller She Wrote. Hello, I'm Jeff Stein. And I'm Jean Meserve. Together, we host the Spy Talk podcast. Every week, we delve into the worlds of intelligence, foreign policy, military operations, and the intersection of all three in national security issues. Spycraft, cybersecurity, violent extremism, whether at home or abroad, technology's impact on intelligence gathering. We cover it all and much more. We interview former spooks, military officers, government officials, journalists, and national security researchers, leveraging our backgrounds in military intelligence and homeland security, along with our decades of experience as journalists and news organizations like Newsweek, The Washington Post, and CNN. So join us every Thursday for a new episode of Spy Talk, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oldest profession. I'm a capitalist. Hello and welcome to Mueller, she wrote. This is part two of probably what's going to end up as a 10-part series on the Mueller Report. I'm your host, A.G., and with me as always are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. So today uh, we're covering the Russian Active Measures section. That's section two of volume one, and it's pages 14 through 35. Uh, If you haven't yet, we highly recommend checking out the documentary Active Measures on Hulu because this is all about that. Uh, it's really eye-opening, very informative, kind of scary. Uh, you might also read Asha Rangappa's piece on reflexive control, which is another active measure uh, that Russian propagandists use uh, and that Trump and Giuliani were using for quite a while. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones who tricked us into the word collusion. And uh, all you have to do is Google Asha Rangappa and reflexive control, and you should be able to find that article. So let's get going. Um, this section, section two, covers the first part of the two-part Russian election interference operations, and that's the active measures. Uh, and they came principally from the Internet Research Agency. And you may hear me referring to the Internet Re- Research Agency as the IRA, which I know has a very different meaning to those of uh, those 70s kids out there. Uh, we knew this is the Irish Republican Army, <laughs> but in this case, we mean the Internet Research Agency when we say the IRA. So. Yes, I uh, I imagine Bono wouldn't appreciate the association, probably. <laughs> no, probably yeah. not. Yeah, and actually, Bono, if you're listening, if you could write a Tuesday Bloody Tuesday song in memory of the democracy we lost <laughs> in 2016, that would be fantastic. That would be amazing. Ah, yes. You know, I think it is a better assumption, though, because when I think of the IRA, I think of the individual retirement account, which is weird because I'm like oh, five like years old. Oh, like a Roth old. IRA. What yeah. we call those IRAs. Oh, that's oh there, there's a difference. Okay, that yeah. explains it. Yeah. I was thinking, what if they created this because you could also call it the International Rifle? Association and get, oh. get support from around the world. Which it is now because, I mean, they did collect $2,600 in Russian dues. Very yep. good point. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the IRA is, is funded by Yevgeny Viktorovich Prigozhin, according to Mueller and, uh, we, and everybody else. Uh, we know this guy is Putin's chef or Putin's cook. <laughs> he is also Concord Management. He owns Concord Management LLC and Concord Catering. Uh, which Mueller says he will collectively refer to as Concord for the rest of the report. Uh, And with that, we get to our first footnote uh, of the page, footnote two, that reads, the office is aware of other reports 
that other Russian entities engaged in similar active measures operations targeting the United States. Some evidence collected by the office corroborates those reports, and the office has shared that evidence with other offices in the Department of Justice and the FBI. So I wonder if the accounts for uh, the harm to ongoing matters redactions in this section, um, if, you know, because there's... Now I'm wondering if there's going to be forthcoming additional indictments uh, from these other agencies that participated in active measures. That are not Concord Management. Right. Or the IRA. Yeah. And that that have been referred out to the Department of Justice and um, the FBI. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, What about so Mueller indicted 13 Russian individuals, right? Mm -hmm. Could these maybe be entities that those individuals are tied to uh no i think those individuals were specifically internet research agency and concord management Uh, individuals but there could be other individuals and other entities uh that could have forthcoming indictments that are redacted from this report because they're ongoing um and he he says we've referred those off Uh, i can't imagine they wouldn't be indicted but i do see and put some beans on more russian indictments coming i just don't know what's taking so long yeah Uh, Then we get another footnote with the sentence right after that one that says, quote, the IRA conducted social media operations targeted at large U.S. audiences with the goal of sowing discord in the U.S. political system. Uh, The first line of the footnote for that sentence is redacted for harm in an ongoing matter. The rest of the footnote reads, see also SM 22306364 serial 44 analysis. <laughs> uh, the FBI case number cited here and other FBI case numbers identified in the report should be treated as law enforcement sensitive given the context. Uh, the report contains additional law enforcement sensitive information. And that's what the footnote says. And just so you know, law enforcement sensitive information is defined as uh, unclassified information of a sensitive and uh, proprietary nature that, if disclosed, could cause harm to law enforcement activities by jeopardizing investigations, compromising operations, or causing life-threatening situations for confidential informants, confidential informants, witnesses, or law enforcement personnel. I had a question. So since it is not classified, it's just sensitive. Does that mean that we should see that information once those law enforcement operations are concluded or whenever anything that falls under that definition basically kind of ceases to be a thing? Uh, It depends on how far out, how long ago it was. Uh, Probably not for years and years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it might never be because it could it could be information that could reveal um Kind of well, I guess these this is specifically law enforcement activities that jeopardize ongoing investigations uh, or current operations, but it could also reveal how we investigate things, but that seems to be more like the investig- investigative redactions that right. that come up later. yeah, the language seems a little bit less sort of I guess binding mm-hmm. yeah, that's true, but yeah, maybe so maybe if like once Valerie Plame was retired, you could say, "Hey, that Valerie Plame, she was in there and doing the thing, and then it would be fine and safe right. to reveal that, but you would never but want to do that not. as long as she was an informant, <laughs> so anybody who's still an informant and the FBI generally continues to use the same informants over and over again, mm-hmm. they wouldn't want to release that information or even after too, because then people would be like, "You bitch, <laughs> yeah, maybe after they die or something, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I thought it was interesting that the i r a like their whole goal was to sow discord in the u s because like mission accomplished, right, like mm-hmm. fascists are so like they're such overachievers, I mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. it sucks, yeah, yeah, they really did it, yeah, they did the damn thing, they went for it, and they, they got it. Thing. Yeah. 
Um, so the next sentence in that section reads, quote, these operations constituted active measures, a term that typically refers to operations conducted by Russian security services aimed at influencing the course of international affairs. And the footnote reads, quote, as discussed in part four below, the active measures investigation has resulted in criminal charges against 13 individual Russian nationals and three Russian entities, principally for conspiracy to defraud the United States in violation of 18 U.S. Code 371. And if it then points to uh, points us to the 18 CR 32 indictment of the Russians. Um, So that's what that referral is referring to. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you about referring referrals. (laughs) Uh, Now I'm trying to think of why anything involved in the IRA case, uh, the social media disinformation case with Concord Management, would still be redacted. And there's a couple of ideas, and we talked about this a little bit first. The Concord Management case is still open and ongoing in court, even though it's kind of a farce. Uh, And we brought this up in in part one. This is the case where Concord has hired U.S. lawyers to try to get Mueller to hand over his all of his stuff to Russia. And also Roger Stone is referred to in the indictment of the Russians. uh, And his case is still ongoing, along with Stone associate Andrew Miller, who's fighting a subpoena in court. And, of course, all of Stone's henge. We call a lot of them Roger Stonehenge. (laughs) <laughs> which includes, you know, Randy uh, Credico, Jerome Corsi, who's currently suing Mueller, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and the Department of Justice. Uh, and then there's uh, WikiLeaks and Assange and, of course, Sam Nunberg. Uh, plus, there might be other uh, redactions, as Mueller himself in this report stated that there are other active measures, uh, Russians besides the IRA, uh, that he's referred out to the Department of Justice and the FBI. So more indictments, as I said, could be on their way. And uh, that could also be part of these redacted. Because I figured, what could possibly re- be redacted in the IRA material? We've indicted the 13 Russians and the three entities. What are you redacting? And now he's actually said, we found other shit and we referred it out. Mm. And then, of course, Stone is related to this. And he's trying to get his name out of that a lot. Right? Oh, yeah. He's Remember? like, it's not related. He's like, I'm not related. I need a new judge. He didn't want to have the same judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Judge Jackson and yeah. Nasty. Yeah. yeah. So he's to, to try to get out of that being in the same judge is uh, because the reason he has her is because he's referred to in the indictment of the Russians. So that's right. Yep. He lied about a guy who's possibly in charge of the whole hacking operation, a Russian <laughs> operative. So, yeah, pretty related. But I was going to say, do you think that the indictments will be here in time for Christmas? I'm so hopeful. <laughs> I just really want the sweetest I want a good Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> All we want for Christmas is you. It's never too early. Fuck summer. Yeah. I'm ready for Christmas. Christmas in July. You should yeah. go to every mall oh, and sit on every Santa Claus and ask for that. Well, they'll probably get the wrong that. idea. <laughs> Let's do that and tape it. Yeah. How do you know if it's Santa or just some random guy? Like, I think it, I sounded like Trump Santa. It's a Russian. <laughs> yeah, it's a Russian. Russia. So well, creepy. I was thinking of the Santa thing and, and the whole thing with Santa. And yeah, yeah. Um, also, could those cases be the some of like the counterintelligence investigations? That's true too. Uh, a lot of this stuff could have been handed off when in in the counterintelligence investigations. Remember, there were forty FBI agents co-located with Mueller, and some of them were there just as from the counterintelligence uh, unit and taking notes and and sending written reports back to the FBI. Um, and and there is or was a counterintelligence investigation that we haven't heard about yet. And so it could also be one of those redacted 12 referred cases that we see in Appendix D of, of Volume 2, uh, or it could be something completely different. We just, we simply don't know. Uh, but it, that's another option. So good, good catch mm-hmm. uh, is the counterintelligence stuff. And that stuff we could never learn is the counterintelligence because counterintelligence findings aren't crimes. It's They're just really classified 
top secret national yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. They they, they determine they find a person. They determine whether or not they're an asset or they're uh, somehow uh, compromised uh, by a foreign entity, and then they determine with how much confidence. Like first of all, how much of an asset are they, mm-hmm. and how confident are we that they are? It's so interesting that the people who are in charge of like the juiciest gossip or such like straight narrow people. You think like the <laughs> you know baddest bitches or something would be like in the CIA. That's like, why I could yeah, never be in the FBI. Be like, oh my god, did you guys hear? Whoa! <laughs> I tell everyone everything. Like, don't yeah. if you have a secret, don't tell me. Seriously, uh, what is it? The ugliest skirt I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm ever applying for the FBI and you're doing uh, research on my background, I hope you find this episode so that I can tell you in my own voice right now. Don't trust me. <laughs> you I got will, that FBI. You I, got no it. No matter where to hear you. first, guys. Don't let me in. <laughs> I have the biggest mouth. Now it would be great if you got in and then you played this. Yeah, oh well, with what Trump's doing to like you know traditional positions, who in knows the case where, we'll where be. you got in trouble for leaking? Yeah, I told you guys. Uh-huh. The comedian clearly stated yes. in the podcast, "Your Honor, <laughs> Al Franken number two, uh, but not sexual." Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, this is a disclaimer, and um, any legal things I need to say to absolve myself of any uh, lawyer problems, I, I mean, that's what I mean right now. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's official enough, right? Sure, I'll That'll take hold it. Up in court. Yeah, yeah. That just so. happened. I'll vouch for you. Okay, thank you. Like in Big Daddy, when the homeless guy was on the stand for some reason. <laughs> So random, but it comes to mind. Great movie, yeah. No, love right. it. Is that the one with Scuba Steve? It's Scuba Steve. Yeah. Damn you, Scuba Steve. Love that. Yeah. This, by the way, this last episode of Saturday Night Live, best episode of oh Saturday Night Live I've ever my seen. Ass so off. And not just because of the dedication, not just because of the Sandler song for the Farley, sketches. but the sketches were so good. Yeah. The the writers really stepped up. I don't know if it's mal- I don't know what's happening, but it was fantastic. Oh yeah. That butt plug pill. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and then they're like, "It's just you can dishwash it. You know, you put it in the dishwasher." And his girlfriend walks out, and he slams the glass out of yeah. her. Yeah, like, don't touch this, that. This was one of the mouth. first times that the opening wasn't my favorite sketch because, like, that was the political one. But like, yeah, for some reason, Adam's sketches were like my favorite. Like, yeah, the random goofy ones. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I liked the Game of Thrones one. The Game of Thrones family it was feud okay. with I, Avengers. Yeah, it's not like it was bad. I'm Groot, I, bitch. I, yeah, I w- that was hilarious. That was my favorite part. <laughs> Last dog, no, you're the bitch, Groot. Yeah, <laughs> bitch, I, I'm Groot. Sorry, I'm, I would I'm definitely Groot, bitch. never shit on that. So backwards. Yeah, I'm Groot, bitch. No, it's bitch. I'm Groot. Bitch, I'm Groot. Yeah, Which effectively, is the same thing, isn't it? No, it's a, there's a subtle difference. That's in, true. And, and only L dog. There's more stank in the bitch. I'm Groot. Bitch, I'm Groot. Yeah, that's like a Bill Burr bit, right? Is Bill Burbit. Is it? Something about how, like, uh, when you're saying something racist, if you say, f- like, fucking before or after, it, it, <laughs> or wait, mo- motherfucker. Yeah, I kind of see oh. where he's going with that. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. say, like, motherfucking, yeah. fill in the blank like, or something. Like, that Jewish that's, motherfucker is yes, different from that, that motherfucking, motherfucking Jew. Jew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think it was so. I think it was, I almost said Bill Barr. Oh, yeah, I get him confused, too. Bill he Barr. He probably says that, too. Bill Burr. Maybe uh-huh. someone else, though. All right, so uh, let's see. Uh, where where were we? We yeah, were talking sorry. about. Um, nope, that's okay. We were talking about the referrals and then possibly uh, intelligence, counterintelligence investigations. Um, and then as we move on, we get the confirmation from Mueller that the IRA began targeting the U.S. in 2014, set up fake social media profiles pretending to be Americans, used divisive political and social issues as a means to reach large U.S. audiences. And if you remember in the book Russian Roulette that we covered in the MSW Book Club, check it out. The guy in charge of the GRU wrote his new war plan in 2013 that included cyber attacks and active measures, right? Uh, In mid-2014, IRA employees traveled to the U.S. on an intelligence-gathering mission to obtain information and photographs for use in their social media posts. 
that's dedication to your Insta. Mm-hmm. Um, by mid-2016, they were focused on help, helping Trump and hurting Hillary. Uh, they bought ads on social media. Some communicated electronically with individuals associated with the Trump campaign and with other activists to coordinate rallies. Mueller says none of these people had any idea they were intentionally being manipulated by Russians. The bit about coordinating rallies has a footnote that's redacted from uh, the IRA indictment, so that must be Concord information or Stone information, just a guess, beans. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then by the end of 2016, the IRA had the capacity to reach millions of Americans on social media. There were Facebook groups and Instagram accounts with hundreds of thousands of users. Uh, IRA Twitter accounts had tens of thousands of followers, which included multiple U.S. politicians (laughs) who often retweeted IRA content. That's so crazy. Uh, in November 2017, Facebook, t- and it's like, I feel like, you know, you have, sometimes you have like a work party and somebody comes in and they're like, I sold 20 phones today. And they're like, mm-hmm. Bob sold 20 phones and he gets to wear a pin and there's a cake. Yeah. Like somebody comes in and like, the I president the- retweeted my tweet today. <laughs> Woo, high five, high five. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, I pissed off like 17 snowflake liberals or something. Yeah. Or I yeah. got somebody to walk up and down Fifth Avenue in a Santa outfit today. Oh. I get, that you is know, pretty I funny. get like a day off on, you know, I get an extra day off next month. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> they have like a packer of the pro- month <laughs> bulletin board next to the fridge in the break area. Everyone, all winners, we take you to Siberia next <laughs> month. You get extra bottle of vodka. Yes. Two potatoes. Victor at the top. <laughs> oh my God, that's totally probably anti-Russian, but whatever. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no. Much love to the Russian people. Yes. Fuck yeah. the Kremlin. I do feel like... Yeah. FTK. Yeah. It's the new, like, fuck the police. <laughs> fuck the Kremlin. And, I don't know. I, I don't know the lyrics. Yeah. So. You have to do it instead of police, you know, yeah. you fuck the Kremlin. You there you go. The fuck the Kremlin. Lin. Yeah, yeah. Put some oomph on it. It is hard to not sound and maybe even be, like, russophobic throughout all of this, you know? Because I'm not trying to uh, only shit on... I mean, it's not about, like, the Russian people at all. No. You know? And we don't want to get McCarthy. Uh, but Absolutely these are definitely, not. These are definitely dozens of people sitting in a room acting like Americans trying to trick us by saying that they're part of, like, black activist groups. Right. They so, clock in the work. They have their smoke breaks. And they troll us yeah. all day long. And this is their job. And I think that that actually might be a pretty funny sketch. Yes. To have this as an office environment. Like, office space, <laughs> but for IRA. Oh, Oh, that's so funny. That yeah, really like funny. someone's having like a birthday party in the office or SNL something. SNL should have done that. The when printer gets the jammed. Oh, they're on it, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, just like typical office shit, but for the Russian Yes, yes. Uh, we, we should make that sketch. Um, all right, so moving along here. In November 2017, Facebook testified. Uh, remember, he came in, had a booster seat. Uh, that that they had identified 470 IRA-controlled accounts that made 80,000 posts during the election. Facebook estimates the IRA IRA reached 126 million people through its Facebook accounts. That's more than one-third of Americans. So I had a question on that. Is it possible that that number uh, is talking about people from around the globe, or is it just Americans, 126 million Americans? It's Americans. Specifically. No, it says people in the report. Yeah, because it seems general, right? It just says people. It just says people in the report. I wonder. I can't wait until the new social network movie comes out because the first one was pretty interesting, but like this one's going to be intense. <laughs> this right? one, they're all just getting high, like fuck our lives, dude. Yeah, this fucking oh, sucks. God, totally. Yeah. What a yeah. Justin Timberlake will be changed. in it for some reason. It's going to devolve into this very devolve into this like very bad things Seriously? situation, or like yeah. I guess Silicon Valley is pretty close to. Yeah, what this will be, be the sequel. Yeah, they should be working on this now. Yeah, oh God, it'll be the only us. like movie trilogy to cross genres from like drama to horror movie. Yes. Oh, Dude, yeah. I love this idea. And then we could do the office space. 
Mm-hmm. End with a comedy. Round it all yeah. out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Full circle. I have my stapler. Somebody's got <laughs> somebody's like that. I've created a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> Uh, so the IRA also had 170 Instagram accounts with over 120,000 pieces of content, and Twitter announced that it had 3,814 IRA-controlled Twitter accounts that 1.4 million people may have been in contact with um, an IRA-controlled account. On page 15, we move on to the structure of the IRA, and most of this is redacted. It's got a paragraph, like a full paragraph redacted. Then it says, the organization quickly grew, and then there was another paragraph of redacted information. Uh, Then the growth of the organization also led to more detailed organizational structure, then more redactions after that. All these redactions are for harm to an ongoing matter, by the way. Uh, So the way that the IRA was developed somehow harms an ongoing investigation, and that could be the counterintelligence one mm-hmm. that you were talking about there, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get the sentence, two individuals headed the IRA's management, its director, Mikhail Bystroff, and the executive director, Mikhail Berchik, the two Mikhails. <laughs> um, then another redacted paragraph happens, and then it says, as early as spring of 2014, the IRA began to hide its funding activities. Then there's more redactions, and that's like... <laughs> Cohen in Prague? I'm like, "Mm, why is that all redacted? Do you think these guys got together because they have the same first name? Like, whoa, we should start a freaking business. Do you like, you're Mikhail, I'm Mikhail. (laughs) The Mikhail Research Agency. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Missed opportunity there. (laughs) Yeah, and we've never reported on either of these two guys. Uh, I searched the transcripts archive. Yeah, they're kind of randos to us. Yeah, Yeah, those those would be randos. Maybe these guys. Double the rando. Or maybe these guys are going to be, maybe they started a different active measures thing and then this one got popular. And maybe this they've been referred, but I don't feel I feel like they wouldn't be named if it was part of an ongoing yeah, exactly. right, right. investigation. It goes on to say the IRA's operations are part of a larger set of interlocking operations known as Project Lakta. Then uh, then there's more redactions. And that's interesting. I've not heard of this project before, no, nor have we reported on it. Lakta. Th- at first I thought it said Lakta and I was like, my yeah. love potato mm, pancakes. Tasty. Yeah. Mouthwatering. But no, Lakta. I wonder what that means. I uh, wonder what that translates into. Yeah, yeah if anyone knows. Russian. It's pretty. It's yeah. pretty weird. Lakta. Interlocking organization. So it might mean interlocking. Yeah, I know we have Google right in front of us, but I'm just so lazy. I just want to keep talking and making assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Then we get to section B called funding and oversight from Concord and Progosian. And most of this is redacted as well, likely because of the open and ongoing Concord case. Uh, what we can see says, quote, until at least February 2018, Progosian and two Concord companies funded the IRA uh, and that Progosian is a rich Russian that heads up the IRA. Progosian was sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury in December 2016. And Mueller then goes on to connect him to Putin through media reports and photographs. And I thought it was interesting that he mentioned that he was uh, sanctioned, which sort of seems to say, like, why would you mention that unless there was some American investing in this? But that's complete space beans. Mm. Um, I mean, you can't, obviously it's against the law to give money to a sanctioned entity or a sanctioned person, but it's extra against the law to fund a, this kind of operation. And that's why I'm still like, I've got like my Prague hat on because they found out there were two major Russian hacking uh, things in Prague. Remember, we, we covered that story. Right. And it turned out that Prague is a hub for Russian hackers. And mm. so that could be what uh, maybe these, uh, maybe the Mikhail started there. Yeah. Expanded their enterprise in St. Petersburg. But we could be seeing, uh, you know, indictments of, of 
against Russians for their operations in Prague. That would be really interesting. I like those beans. You like those beans? Yeah, this whole report's like a beanery. It is. <laughs> but what is it? Bob's Barney's beanery? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, and then, guys, everything else on the next two pages is fully redacted, except for Mueller's definition of the word troll in a footnote as paid operatives who post inflammatory. It's just operatives, in this case, paid, who post inflammatory or otherwise disruptive content on social media or other websites. I was thinking when I read this how funny it is how long, like how far the word troll has come in such a small amount of time. I remember when I was in high school and it was just becoming a thing in the mainstream media. Totally. And I, my physics teacher had told us something that like blew our minds. It's like some Newton shit. I don't know. And then someone in the class raised their hand and was like, no way. Are you trolling us? And then he was like, what are you talking about stop trying to make fetch happen. yes but it was so funny just to think back on like back then we were explaining it to people and it's now a it's in a, word and it's now in it's a in, defined an illegal document and now it's in the the most consequential legal document of this century yeah i'm sure 2019 yeah. is cray perhaps the history of the united states so yeah. far cray is also defined later on in the <gasps> report oh that's right Mueller's <laughs> like yeah this whole thing is cray <laughs> Craya, by the way, is... Yeah, that's my uh, professional opinion. <laughs> then we learned something I didn't know about. Uh, the IRA got a U.S. person to hold up a sign in front of the White House uh, and get, they got a picture of it that said, Happy five, uh, 55 birthday, dear boss, <laughs> as an homage to Prigozhin. And this dipshit's name is redacted for <laughs> privacy. Aside from being hilarious, I wonder why Mueller chose to include that. Yeah, uh, other than I think he's just describing the depths into which they were able to manipulate Americans to do shit. Yeah, that's a good idea. So here you have an American holding up a sign as an homage to, and this could be a test too, and this could be behind a lot of this redacted stuff. This could be how, because they talk a lot about a little bit later and we'll get to about how they were monitoring their ability to infiltrate and recruit. And so maybe when a guy comes in, you know, if Genny comes in and says, today, I got a guy, I got an American to stand in front of the White House and wish you a happy 55th birthday. And they took a picture of it and they tweeted it out. Ha ha ha. They get and then points for that. Right. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, if anyone's ever held a boom box outside the White House and like, what song oh, would like they say play? anything? Yeah. Mm. I'm you sure. That's happened? What would you guys play? What song would you? Well, the Kremlin oh, Annex God, is out there right the now. Get the fuck out. Is that a song? Uh, yeah. <laughs> gives you hell by all American rejects. <laughs> I saw your mommy and your mommy's dead. Nice. Suicidal tendencies. Nice. Nice, nice. Probably do that. That's how I like to annoy people. I like people. where we're going with it's this. This song. is America. I'm just there. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, <laughs> bye, bye. The Dixie Shakes, did they have that anti Bush song or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that? Or was Landslide. That, That'd be a good one. How did that song go? So, a little bit about like not being a president? No, I don't think that's how it went. <laughs> Wait, it was Pink <laughs> and, and Lily Allen. Allen. Oh, shit. No, Pink. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, Pink had one. Dear Mr. President. Yeah, Lily Allen had Fuck You Very Much. There we go. I would play Fuck You Very Much. Yeah. Okay. Was it about the president? Not ready to make it. Nice. Might have been about Bush or her ex. I can't remember. I'm probably confusing it with Bush. It. Yes, there we go. Oh, I like it. Yeah, so I got to combine everything. It's just that's just how your brain works. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, it's like puzzle pieces in the linguistic space. Well, mm-hmm. ever since they started putting celebrity couples' names together, Jar- Jarvanka, and oh, that's yeah. the only one I can think of right now. Though there's <laughs> beyond, who, like makes me think of Judge R. Binks too, because okay. like Jared has that face too. Yeah, what? Jarvanka. Oh, the name. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That quickly like, it lost you. That's my bad. Like, that's actually just one dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, I get it. Now. Yeah, yeah. 
the name. Misa Jarbonka is a very unsexy relationship name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Indeed names. it is. What was the first big one that we had? Brangelina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Brangelina. that's right. Brangelina, yes, that's a high bar right there. And then wasn't there like Ben Affleck and... Yeah, Benifer. Benifer. Yeah, mm-hmm. Benifer and Brangelina. Are the guys always first? Is this some kind of patriarchy? It depends on how it sounds. Fair enough. I think. Yeah, yeah. Probably not always. Is it a requirement to adopt African orphans if you want to have a combined name? That yeah. is true. And you have 100%. to name them weird things like Apple. Yeah. Did Benefer do that? That's why they broke up. That's why they broke up. <laughs> I think uh, What's-Her-Face and What's-His-Face did. The guy who kept a vial of blood <laughs> around her around around face neck. and What's-His-Face? <laughs> yeah, no, you know who I'm talking about. Gia, uh, Angelita Jolie. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Brad. Bad Santa. Oh yeah. And, oh, Bad Santa. Oh, yes, that yes, guy. Yes, Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. Billy Bob. He's kind of yeah. high. Is it? Is it just me? Oh no, he's super hot. Okay, thank you. In a bad boy way. Billy yeah, Bob Jolina. Bad Santa way. Bad dad. Billy Billy Bob. Billy Jolie. Bob Santa. Bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bad Santa is great. I love that movie so much. Hey guys, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Francis Callier, and I'm Angela V. Shelton, and we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of The Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. And then most of page 19 is redacted as well until we get to section C called The IRA Targets U.S. Elections, Part 1. The IRA ramps up U.S. operations as early as 2014, which uh, discusses briefly their consolidation of U.S. operations, all of the U.S. operations, into one department called the Translator Department. And it's then followed by almost two full pages of redactions. Maybe this is it. Maybe it was two. Maybe it was several departments, and those are still all under investigation. Now they're all one department. Uh, the McHale's melded. And, uh, <laughs> they're one McHale now. <laughs> one Translator Department, and it's then followed by two full pages of redactions for open and ongoing matters. Um, this could all be Concord, also could be counterintelligence, or could be the other Russians that have been indicted. I don't know if that matter will ever close, though, because we probably won't ever get them on American soil to close the case. So the indictment of the 13 Russians and, and Evgeny Prigozhin might always be redacted for life because yeah. we can't ever close that case. Redacted for life. I feel like there must be... I just feel like this, okay? <laughs> I feel like there must be some process in that scenario then for when it can be determined that they most likely will like never come over and the case will never be able to be closed, essentially. And then they can decide, like, is that a thing where, you know, where they're like, okay, well, realistically, it's inconceivable that this case will ever come to an end the way that we want it to. There's got to be some process for like closing it off because you can't. Yeah, uh, all the all the cases I know that we've ended up seeing or being unsealed like 30, 40 years later and stuff, they're all against Americans. So I, <laughs> I don't know what we're good at stalling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the what the protocol would be for something like the Russians. Uh, yeah. I feel like if it were important enough and it's not going to, you know, jeopardize any sources and methods and it's not going to put any ongoing cases at risk, you should let us know about it or at least enough to let the Congress know about it so that they can make laws to prevent against it. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I lawyers, if you know, know the answer, let us know. Yeah, hit us up. Hello at com. 
then the Mueller report goes into the trip that some of the IRA employees took to the U.S. to gather their photographs and intel to help the, the social media operations. They claim to be friends, which met at a party, and two of them got visas named Anna Bogacheva and Alexandra Krylova. Mueller even has their itineraries and their trip instructions. That's crazy. And that level of detail is intense, you guys. Um, Like the level of detail in the Russian indictment. It's just intense what he got. Like their flight numbers and their times and their itinerary and their plans and who their other two friends were that they met at this party. Like... The fuck do you know that? That yeah, is crazy. That would make Mueller Santa. He knows if you've been naughty or nice. He mm-hmm. knows everything. All right. Then on an, uh, then on to part two of section C on page 22 called U.S. Operations Through IRA-Controlled Social Media Accounts. And we get a couple of paragraphs here saying dozens of IRA employees operated these accounts across social media platforms and that they're referred to as specialists. Uh, they use Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. At first, they pretended to be American individuals. Then in 2015, they created larger groups and pages that claimed to be U.S. political groups and grassroots organizations. In some cases, they mimicked actual organizations like the Twitter Twitter account at 10 underscore GOP, which falsely claimed to be part of the Tennessee Republican Party. (laughs) Most posed as fake grassroots groups such as uh, anti-immigration groups, Tea Party activists, Black Lives Matters protesters, and other social and political activists. Then we got a bunch of redactions after they mentioned that the IRA closely monitored the accounts. I feel like because they used everything, Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr, like, did they use Tinder? Like, you think they were catfishing Americans, too? Like, yeah, you porn? Right? Just Come on. Hitting all the stops. Yes, that was Maria Butina's leg. That's right. She and Erickson, yeah. Butina swiped right away. <laughs> Tumblr is a weird choice, too. It's like, good luck recruiting Tumblr people. They're all emo teens. True. Or like, like lots of pornography. No, yeah, no relation, Nothing got rid of the porn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's totally yeah, but separate. Uh, porn wants to pick them up and say, you can be part of our, we'll take you. Tumblr as a whole? Yeah. That's wow. Or at least the people who got kicked off Tumblr for being porny. Oh, okay. There's a lot of porny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting that a lot of these redactions mention, uh, are, are, are uh, when they talk about the IRA monitoring the accounts, uh, being able to monitor their performance. Uh, Then it gets interesting. By 2016, internal IRA documents detailed support for Trump and opposition to Clinton. Then it gives some redacted examples as harm to an ongoing matter. And we learned definitively for the first time in the Mueller report that Russia did support the Sanders campaign. Quote, main idea, use any opportunity to criticize Clinton and the rest except Sanders and Trump. We support them. (laughs) Oh, God, that does not look good. That's really sad. Uh, but again, uh, Sanders isn't even mentioned as he was being investigated for being a part of this. Uh, I don't even see any, unless some of these redacted bits are, are of Sanders campaign people interacting with uh, Russians, in which case, whoa, and we just have no idea about it. Yeah. Anything. See, that would be crazy, but I think even just like, it's it's more likely that they were supporting him to split the vote, and that's just sad right. enough. I think so, too. Yeah. But, but it's interesting that he didn't explain anything explicitly, because that's kind of like an alarming thing. It's like, oh, whoa, now Sanders is someone else that was supported? Right, and they did explain here that the, the Trump people who were retweeting all this stuff and were being actually spoken to by... Uh, Russians had no clue that they were being spoken to by Russians, but they didn't outline any of the Bernie stuff for that. Okay. That's why I'm like, maybe that's that's redacted. God, yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, Mueller then, I I personally still do not believe that Bernie Sanders had any knowledge uh, or was a witting member of any kind of interference in the election. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. It doesn't follow along like it does with Trump's character. And it might be being investigated, and we don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Uh, Mueller then lays out more evidence from internal IRA documents. Internal IRA documents. How do you get those? Uh, that they needed more criticism of Clinton. And that they acknowledged that their work focused on influencing the presidential election. So they saw these documents, you know, chastising their specialists for not coming hard enough at Clinton. Mm-hmm. Then there are more redactions, including the first part of Section 3 called Operations Through Facebook. And then it comes back in with a list of some of the conservative groups that the Russians posed as, including being patriotic, <laughs> stop all immigrants, secured borders, and Tea Party News. Uh, other black social justice groups, including Black Matters and Blacktivist and Don't Shoot Us. And finally, LGBTQ groups called LGBT United and then religious groups such as United Muslims of America. This is why I have trust issues. <laughs> this is so bad for me. I'm like, those are all my favorite types of groups. Wow. Yeah, you can't tell anything for Facebook interests anymore. Yeah, yeah. Except the block all immigrants and secure border people, the Tea oh, Party News. true. But you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Black Matters, Blacktivists, Don't Shoot Us. Blacktivists is a great name. <laughs> and the Russians came up with it. Uh, and finally, yeah, no, I think the LGBTQ stuff. I definitely have heard that before the Russians. I'm but taking they, that they credit away from copy them. wrote it or whatever. They like made it official. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's probably super old school and they mm-hmm. just uh, co-opted it. Totally, totally. They branded it is what I was getting at. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and then Mueller talks about a Russian account under the name Matt Skyber, who organized a pro-Trump. This guy did a lot. He organized a pro-Trump rally near Trump Tower and explains that Russia bought over 3,500 ads totaling about $100,000. Oh, my God. The ads overtly opposed Hillary Clinton, such as one that read, If one day God lets this liar enter the White House as president, that day will be a real national tragedy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm surprised you should be able to tell these are Russian propaganda ads from their verbiage. They're dropping serious like dollars on this. Like, I would just use that money for self-promotion. <laughs> What's their purpose in life? Yeah, they're like, screw Putin. This is, my, this is my stuff. They don't need right? to self-promote. They have all the money. Oh, good point. Uh, and then they bought an ad on the Black Matters accounts that said, flash mob to take photos with the hashtags Hillary Clinton for prison 2016 or no Hillary 2016. Mueller then goes into the pro-Trump ads, such as take a picture of your kids with the hashtag kids for Trump <laughs> and other ads uh, bought on Trump supporting Russian groups like being patriotic, stop all invaders and secured borders. Interesting that Trump refers to immigrants and asylum seekers as invaders on multiple occasions, as did the mass shooter in New Zealand, where Trump echoed that shooter's manifesto the same day, talking about immigrant invaders to America. Totally. I'll never forget that day. And it's just as uh, it's just amazing to me that they're using a, like a Russian born active measures language to drive their policies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, really disgusting. it's insane. And kids for Trump is another really weird name. I wouldn't trust that. Kids for Trump. That's suspicious Yay. as fuck. <laughs> and they're in a cage. What? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of different interpretation <laughs> possibilities there. Oh my there. God. Can I you know. imagine? I shouldn't joke about that. They just that, get their little no, white kids no, in a cage. Coping. Like smiling. Yes. Yeah. Dude, like people wouldn't care unless they were white kids in a cage. That's the sad fact of it all. Yep. Yep. It's For like sure. a little white girl in a, in a whale. Now it's a cage. Oh, it gosh. used to be. Remember that? They say like the news didn't care unless a white girl fell in the well. Those are really old days, I guess. <laughs> where that I, came remember, from. I remember. You remember Wells? Baby Jessica in the well. And there were Baby like Jessica. wells in the same yeah. town yeah. as news stations. Totally, totally. Yeah. Is she in the well? Yes. Arr, arr. There's going to be like movies it's... about this someday. Not that that's like the, <laughs> the benefit of this, but like, about the report or about well about like the what what's happening with the children in the cages and like oh yeah, like, I'm telling you, that's like the psycho- next Schindler's list. Yeah, psychological thrillers and stuff. I'd imagine like this is some crazy any, shit. And Frank's Diary, anything that you've seen, any movie you've seen about the Holocaust, you can pretty much write the same script for what the hell is going on at the southern Absolutely. border right now. And I'm, not I to don't say that the mean to. Are the same. Yeah, no, yeah. not by a long shot. And the suffering is not the same. Mm-hmm. 
but they're I don't similar. Know. It's fair to call uh, it out the, as similar. But the ideas and the and the message behind it and the reasons for doing it are exactly the same. Yes, because nothing's original. Every idea is inspired by something else, and we'd be kind of wrong to not say that Trump is not inspired by like Nazism and, yeah. and the roots of it. Had a book of Hitler speeches by his bed, allegedly. Mm. Um, by the time the group being patriotic was deactivated by Facebook in mid 2017, you guys <laughs> it took a while. It had over 200,000 followers. Secured Borders had 130,000. United Muslims of America, 300,000 followers. And Don't Shoot Us had 250,000 followers. Mueller, she wrote, has 6,000 followers. I'm just trying to give you a little... <laughs> On Facebook, like right? Like a method, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy to get Facebook followers. No. So that's pretty... Hundreds of thousands. Pretty impressive. Uh, then we get to section four on page 26, which is about Twitter operations and how a number of IRA employees in the translator department served as Twitter specialists. And there are a few redactions here for open and ongoing matters, but it does say the Twitter operation came in two parts, specialists posing as people and automated botnets. And these are the mm. bots that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Subsection A about the individualized accounts, um, and it's half a page of redactions to begin with. It, it then goes on to say these individuals were similar to the Facebook accounts posting original content while communicating directly with U.S. Twitter users through public tweeting or direct messaging. And then this is what I thought of. Remember when the Concord management case mentioned a dick pic? That Mueller had. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Basically, Concord's man Concord Management, as we know, who's trying to get the full Mueller reports and, and methods and findings so it can send it back to the Kremlin. And we know this because they ended up making an anonymous Twitter account and forging documents saying, uh, these are Mueller's, but they really aren't. And then they tweeted out they were able to hack Mueller. So they've been trying to get all the Mueller information for a while. And Mueller filed a motion saying, you can't have it because it would reveal all of our investigatory methods to the Kremlin. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. lawyers for Concord Management's argument to that op opposition was, how important can your methods of obtaining uh, information and investigating be if all you're getting is nude photos? <laughs> and, and this is where I think those nude photos came from. Some U.S. Trump slug sending photos of his junk to female Russian Twitter specialists at the IRA. That's what I think those naked photos are. Those direct messages between Trump supporters, you, you, uh, Americans, and, and these operatives. Oh, yeah, it would make sense. Uh, we then get some details that we already knew about based on public reporting about Russian Twitter accounts like 10GOP, the Tennessee uh, group, one called at Jen Abrams, claiming to be a Virginia Trump supporter with 70,000 followers. God damn. Pamela Moore, 13, claiming to be a Texan Trump supporter with 70,000 followers. Uh, and America First, an anti-immigration persona with 24,000 followers. Jesus. And then a Twitter account called March for Trump, which organized rallies and uh, that are described in the report. But that's all redacted f because of harm to an ongoing matter. That's weird. Mm -hmm. Dude, this is so... We've been waiting so long for all this detail because for so long it's been up in the air sort of how intense their operation was. And now we know that it was incredibly intense. So I really hope people out there that were like, oh, it's, it was nothing, right? Like it was, it was negligible. Yeah. yeah, negligible differences. They, they like look at this shit. Yeah, that's what uh, Junior said. It was a couple of ads. <laughs> yeah, no. It was 3,500 yeah. ads just on Facebook. Yeah, dude. You've seen Justin Bieber. Okay, right. This shit makes a difference. Totally. And Lives if, change. If anyone wants to argue that the votes weren't affected, I mean, that's kind of silly to say when the, the psychology was affected. You know, it's the like, votes were affected. Yeah. If Even not, if one vote is affected. Oh, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we get the next sentence, which says the U.S. media outlets quoted tweets from IRA-controlled accounts and attributed them to re uh, the reactions of real Americans. And there's a footnote on it that lists the media outlets as the Washington Post and the U.S. News and World Report. 
It goes on to say high-profile U.S. persons, including Ambassador Mike McFall, <laughs> who we've had on the show, uh, Roger Stone, Sean Hannity, and Michael Flynn uh, Jr. retweeted or responded to IRA Twitter accounts. M- multiple individuals associated with the Trump campaign also promoted IRA tweets, um, but that's all redacted and, uh, as harm in an ongoing matter, and that's got to be counterintelligence, right? Yeah. So here's where I have to wonder about the Fox News Twitter account going dark last November, too. There's still, it's still a mystery, but that account is still dark. But the Mueller report then turns to Section B on page 28 called Botnet Activity. So presumably the Trump associates were retweeting botnet tweets uh, as all that's redacted. And it comes back to repeat that Twitter found 3,814 Twitter accounts associated with the IRA, which posted about 175,000 tweets in the 10 weeks leading up to the election. (laughs) Yeah, you know Fox News had to have a hand in that. They're like the perfect target for these guys, you know, to feed that information. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's connected. That would make total sense. Yeah, they might have unwittingly retweeted it. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody found any witting. Right. I guess that's hard to define, but also it's like, Russia could have done a lot to make sure it was in front of their faces and yeah. so that they did retweet it. I don't know how computers work. I feel like that's something you could do, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the last few years, I feel like there's been so many Republicans that have like retweeted things like white supremacy and, and all these th- ideas that used to be like so, I guess, taboo and, you know, like, how dare you? But like it's it, they've all kind of merged together now. So it makes sense that they had an influence like mm-hmm. this. This is where we are. Trump is still retweeting crazy shit, you know? No, God, yeah. Every day. (laughs) Uh, All right, moving on to page 29, section 5. Here it's called U.S. Operations Involving Political Rallies. And this section goes into more detail about the rallies and marches the IRA organized and how it used existing personas and groups on Facebook and Twitter to promote the events. The IRA would use direct messaging to reach out to U.S. persons, then ask them to coordinate the rallies, and then say, oh, I can't make it because I have a personal conflict. <laughs> the catfishing I- everyone. The IRA would then contact uh, the U.S. media about the event and then would tell them to speak with the coordinator. And after the event, the IRA would post photos and videos of the event. Mueller identified dozens of rallies organized this way. One was a Confederate rally oh, in early November God. 2015 and is identified as one of the first And according to the report, the IRA continued organizing these rallies even after the election. Then we have a full page of redactions that seem to uh, relate to how closely and by what means the IRA monitored the size and reach of these rallies. So all their monitoring of their success is redacted. And it's all paying off, too. It's like clearly in the works, like they're cooking up something and doing something about it. Well, I'm thinking this is where they explain how the IRA monitored the effectiveness and performance of their employees. And there were similar uh, redactions like this in the earlier section I I mentioned and said to, you know, put beans on. And uh, how the IRA monitored social media posts, how they monitored their reach and impact. And I'm a little scared that behind these redactions maybe are the punishment for poor performance. Really? Like something that. intense, like Kremlin style? I'd like to believe that's not true, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, that's what I keep thinking. It's all mm-hmm. redacted. Hmm. I wonder also like what kind of secrecy <clears throat> con- contracts they would have to like sign with them to make sure that these w- this information wouldn't get out yeah. you know, prematurely or at all. Well, Russians aren't known for um, slapping on the wrist, so right. I- I'm <laughs> terrified of what they've you know, when they're talking about monitoring their performance, what is under those redaction bars? That mm-hmm. like that scared that like freaks me out. That's yeah. I'm I'm like, do they? You know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I guess uh, it, I I would be really 
mm. sad to even like think about what it is before we find out for sure. Because I think torture that comes. To Are mind. they executing people? Are oh they, my you goodness! Know, like what? What is? I, I, and, and you know, I don't mean to tinfoil hat up here, but like it's, it's we just, have, we like, know what they, they go do. after the Skripals with uh, Novichok. They, Journalists they throw people out of apartment buildings. They, yeah. You know, and oh, somebody must have fell down and hit their head seven times. Right. If you know too much, anything along those lines, they have no problem murdering people. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, what the fuck is behind these redactions every time they talk about monitoring their performance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well... Sorry to bring everybody down, but I, that's just the first it's thing. It's not you. It's, it's, the, it's the Kremlin bringing us down. Um, then we get to page 31, uh, and Mueller actually shows us a poster created for a rally organized by the IRA for coal miners in, uh, for Trump in Philly. It shows a photo of a coal miner in his hat with his light on it. It says, bring, our, bring back our jobs. How many PA workers lost their jobs due to Obama's destructive policies? Uh, and then, of course, it's got the time, date, and location. Almost all these rallies are anti-Clinton and pro-Trump. Uh, section six on page 31 called targeting and recruitment of U.S. persons discusses how the IRA employees would recruit the Americans to hold these rallies and amplify Russian disinformation. There's a bit redacted here for harm to an ongoing matter, and it says the Russians would use redact a redacted technique on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to contact and recruit Americans who, who follow the group. Hmm. What is that? Group yeah. chats, psychographics, dick pics? <laughs> what, what are they? What is that? What's that? Is it like Back a group dick pic? No like, idea. You know when people put their sho their <laughs> shoes together, like a little star. Like, would a group dick pic be like a little star <laughs> dick pic? Like, yeah, I don't know, man. That's, <laughs> uh, but they're you know they're saying that there's a technique they used on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to contact and recruit Americans, and this technique is redacted. That's just weird. What is it? Uh, Mueller even says that Russians targeted it, and why can't we know? Anyway. Yeah, no, I'm curious. They don't yeah. want us to do it to each other? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's for our own good. You don't want to know. It's like hypnosis? What the fuck is it? <laughs> um, Mueller even says that Russians targeted a specific family and a number of black social justice advocates directly, and their names have been redacted for privacy. They did this using uh, the group Black Matter uh, U.S., and I'm just going to read this next part to you. It says, in February 2017, the persona Black Fist purported to want to teach African-Americans to protect themselves when contacted by law enforcement, hired a self-defense instructor in New York to offer classes sponsored by Black Fist. The IRA also recruited moderators of conservative social media groups to promote IRA-generated content, as well as recruited individuals to perform political acts, such as walking around New York City dressed up as a Santa Claus with a Trump mask <laughs> on. What the hell? That's so crazy. Um, there's another redacted paragraph here for harm to an ongoing matter, followed by a brief statement about how the IRA's online audience became larger. And so growing, how they grew their audience is all redacted and how they track performance is all redacted. Hmm. Uh, and uh, that the IRA tracked U.S. persons who were successfully recruited to do these types of tasks. So if they've got somebody, some sucker to hold up a happy birthday Prigozhin sign, they would keep track of these people. Then we have half a page of redacted information from an ongoing matter, which ends the section on recruitment of unwitting U.S. persons. Then on page 33, we get to number seven about interactions and contacts with the Trump campaign. And Mueller established two main forms of connection between the IRA members uh, and members of the Trump campaign, while simultaneously determining that there were no similar connections between the IRA and the Clinton campaign. So much for Trump supporters talking about Clinton mm -hmm. uh, being indicted for conspiring with the Russians. There are no <laughs> connections between the IRA and the Clinton campaign. So if you get anyone coming at you saying Hillary was conspiring with the Russians, you can show them page 33, section 7. <laughs> they so, won't believe it. 
Yeah, they won't. Uh, but the two different, well, because Mueller's deep state. Right, right. They have to know how to read, too. So no, that's true. Like, so they, they have to check Trump's Twitter to see if he's deep state or if he's an honorable and good man. Oh, okay. <laughs> just day by day. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, so one day he exonerates him. Next day his report is bullshit. Yeah. So the two different ways in which Trump associates in the IRA were in contact were either by Trump people retweeting or reposting pro-Trump anti-Hillary IRA posts or by the IRA directly communicating with members of the Trump campaign to seek assistance with IRA rallies. So uh, on the first type, with the Trump campaign associates promoting Russian propaganda, Mueller reports that Trump campaign affiliates promoted dozens of Russian posts, posts from 10 GOP, or that's the fake Tennessee Republican Party Twitter account set up by the IRA, Mm -hmm. were shared by Don Jr., Eric Trump, Kellyanne Conway, Brad Parscale, and Mike Flynn. The posts include allegations of voter fraud, which is a Russian talking point, as well as uh, allegations that Clinton had mishandled classified information. Interesting thing about the voting fraud Russian talking point. Donald Trump himself, after he won, set up a voter fraud commission, which was disbanded in late 2017. And just last week, on May 1st, a federal judge responded to a FOIA request from the Brennan Center for Justice and the Project Democracy, Protect Democracy Project, same one that Uh Jaleesa was mentioning earlier. They were asking for emails from two agency officials about Trump's defunct voter fraud commission. The government tried to argue the request was too broad and would put undue work on them. But the judge said, nah, uh, it's two people. You can do it. (laughs) The plaintiffs in this case um, said acting assistant attorney general John Gore and Department of Justice attorney Maureen uh, Reardon both received information from the members of the Voter Fraud Commission. And Gore sent messages about the commission to a member of that commission uh, to her personal email address. The plaintiffs also alleged the Voter Fraud Commission was actually a tool used by the Trump administration to put up legal barriers to voting by eligible citizens. The judge agreed the FOIA request was reasonable under the law, especially because it took Gore 84 days to forward messages from his private email account to his work-related account. And the judge also ruled that the Department of Homeland Security and Office of Management and Budget used search terms that were too narrow to look for the relevant information in the FOIA request for the plaintiffs. So the use of private email accounts, the length of time to forward relevant emails between accounts, and the two narrow search terms to retrieve documents for the plaintiffs were the main reason the judge said yes to this FOIA request. So the idea of voter fraud is Russian propaganda, and it's part of their active measures campaign to interfere in our election. Trump has always claimed voter fraud. He'll do it again in 2020. And he even set up a voter fraud commission, which is now defunct, but now must hand over documents and emails relating to the voter fraud commission. And if the name John Gore sounds familiar, one of the two guys involved in this case, it should. A couple of weeks ago, the Justice Department refused to honor a congressional subpoena for John Gore to appear to testify about the addition of the citizenship question to the 2020 Mm -hmm. census. Yeah. Do you remember that? Fuck. All right. Back to the action. Yeah. (laughs) AG, connecting dots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don Jr. retweeted a post from the IRA. uh, The IRA controlled Pamela Moore account on November 7th, 2017. Trump's personal Twitter account responded to a Russian tweet from 10 GOP that said, we love you, Mr. President. Mm -hmm. Mueller also explains that the responses were monitored and gives the example that the Matt Skyber account on Facebook sent a message to its followers telling them Trump posted about their event in Miami. Oh, God. The final paragraph in this section is redacted for harm to an ongoing matter. What could that be? What about a Trump campaign affiliate retweeting Russian propaganda would be part of an ongoing matter? Hmm. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless it's uh, talking about their monitoring their, you know, awesomeness or lack of awesomeness. Like they're... 
performance yeah. review. Right. Their annual performance review. Yeah. Three stars. Uh, the second method of contact between the IRA and the Trump campaign is in Part B on page 35, and it says that in each instance of the Russians reaching out to Trump affiliates, they pretended to be Americans and were requesting things like help with signs, uh, money for uh, materials, print materials to use at rallies, as well as requests to help promote and coordinate logistics. Some volunteers agreed to provide the support, but Mueller says there's no evidence that these people knew it was the Russians that were asking. Mm -hmm. So they were all duped. Mm -hmm. And that's why this isn't a crime, because Russians convinced the Trump campaign associates that that they were Americans themselves, and Trump supporters fell for it. Yeah, Yeah, they're pleading, uh, I was bamboozled. (laughs) I guess that works. Apparently. Uh, then there's a brief closing paragraph summarizing uh, that Mueller established the Russia that Russia interfered using active measures carried out by the IRA, owned and funded by Prigozhin, and that the grand jury has alleged that Prigozhin, his companies, and the IRA violated U.S. law through these operations by undermining, through deceptive acts, the work of federal agencies charged with regulating foreign influence in a U.S. election. Boom. And scene. Nice. I already roasted. Yes. We yield our time. <laughs> I like that one. That was spicy. It, right? And, yeah. uh, and And what's really interesting about that is we kind of knew all that. We, we told you about the parts we didn't already know. But we sort of knew all that. And, and we have uh, the fourth estate. We have journalists to thank for that. Definitely. For that knowledge. Yeah. I don't think, honestly, I understood. I knew that it was a lot that they did to influence the elections, but to have it all laid out like that really adds a level of like the, adding the gravity to it, I guess, that I don't think fully hit me until I read all of that. I think you did actually mention that when we when we had gone through the indictment of the Russians. And I remember you being like astounded by the level of detail and how widespread and sweeping uh, the 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 interference was just on social media alone totally and we uh, i know we had talked about in a very early on a very early episode that uh, we we have no idea how deep th- this went and and that's one of those tip of the iceberg things like this is just the tip of it oh, we don't yeah. even know the full extent and of it and now we kind of yeah, have that picture. Wow. It's kind of like when you see, bef- like, if you've lost some weight and then you don't realize you've lost weight until you see an old picture of yourself. Mm-hmm. We didn't realize how deep this went uh, because when we first started hearing bits and pieces about it, um, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, we, you know, we're seeing this little, and then little by little, uh, these reports come out, and it, you know, just bit by bit, inch by inch, pound by pound, these reports come out, and we we know now how big it is, but. If we could look back and, and remember exactly how we felt when we found out that Russia bought one ad with rubles <laughs> on Facebook and we're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And compare that to how what we know now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty intense. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like the Internet as it exists now and social media hasn't been around long enough to even be studied so much sociologically. So there's there's a level of them being ahead of the game to all of this that it's like. We will one day have a bunch of theses written on this subject and, and how you influence like a global culture potentially or an electorate. I'm sure it'll come now because of this, essentially. And at some point it'll be regulated. But right now right. the Internet and podcasting, these kind of things are the Wild West. We have no regulations. We have no nothing happening and so it's like Deadwood. Everybody's a exactly. cocksucker up in this motherfucker. <laughs> yep. And, you you know, it, and that's what the GRU, they saw that in 2013 when they wrote that we have a new war plan. 
And this is it. It's the internet. It's mm-hmm. social media. Yep. And this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're actually going to attack other countries, not with bombs, not with missiles. They can shoot those down. They can see that coming. Yeah. We're going to use this because, first of all, it's completely and wildly unregulated. And uh, this is this is how we do it. This is the Wild West. Yeah, it's incredible what they did. You can't take that from them. No. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. And now when you think of them teaming up with North Korea, who actually uh, create and bring up and make the most incredible, uh, incredibly talented hackers in the world. And now they're meeting. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what frightens me about 2020. All right. (laughs) Uh, Everybody, go out and have a good time. Um, (laughs) uh, This has been part two of our probably 10-part series. I don't know. I thought it was going to be eight, but it's slow going. There's a lot in here. Um, It's going to take as many as it's going to take. I'm just going to call it a 10-part series until it's not anymore. (laughs) Yeah, sounds sounds good. good, Yeah. Sound good. And uh, because we're just playing this by ear as we we go through it piece by piece. But thank you guys so much for listening. Um, We really appreciate it. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? No, I'm just stoked to keep it going. Yeah, I like this. It's a really interesting, it's a, a beautiful piece of, it's a beautiful work product. Yes. yes. As, as someone in the FBI would a say. A beanery. Greatest book of the last 10 years, for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> At least, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a bestseller by now, right? All those like copies. I'm print? wondering how many they've sold. Mm. Uh, the Washington Post? Can, uh, Post? or Audible has one. I might be the Washington. Now no, you said <laughs> it's you called the Washington Post, and I called the Washington. The reservoir, Pat. the reservoir of post. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That'd be interesting too. But um, yeah, man, it's a, it's got a lot in it, and it's really important. And I and apparently only three percent of Americans have read the entire report. Honestly, that's 3%. higher than I would have guessed. Well, you guys are in the top three percent. Welcome. Right, that's nice. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, I'm rarely in the top 3% of anything, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, this is the first for me. <laughs> All right, guys, please, uh, self-care. Remember, self-care. This is a lot of information. It's a lot of hard-hitting. I'm sorry I brought up the possible punishments. Uh, for but it's, it's a possible reality. Unresponsive so. employees. It's yeah. a specialists, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to downplay oh, no. their jobs. Um, I'm also <laughs> interested in what they get paid. Yeah, yeah, that might be too. a part of that redacted thing too, where they talk about the payments and stuff like that and how it's funded. I'm I'm interested to see what they pay Wouldn't these guys. Wouldn't it be really meta if they outsourced and had Americans doing the job of Russian trolling? You can't afford Americans, man. <laughs> never, never. Good point. Uh, but uh, no, I think they're definitely Russian. I've spoken to several of them on on social media. <laughs> yeah, and they're definitely it's convincing. At least in that area, for sure, for of sure, the world. Yeah. But uh, wow. All right. Anyway, as I was saying, please uh, take care of each other. And uh, we love you. And uh, we're glad you love us, too. Thank you so much for listening. I've been A.G. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is written and produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media. Sound design and engineering are by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joel Reeder at Moxie Design Studios. Muller She Wrote is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. W Media.